And one of the key things there is being self-aware enough to know what your strengths are and to ask people and your, your boss, your spouse, whatever, what am I good at and what am I bad at? Hi, this is your host, Christina Stroud. Welcome to Manufacturing 365, where we spend time learning from each other. We will hear from manufacturing rock stars, startup founders, thought leaders, and others to support this platform's purpose. We'll share ideas, set examples, and be a little thought-provoking in the manufacturing world. Hi, everyone. This is your host, Christina Stroud. Thank you for joining us again for our next edition of Manufacturing 365. This month, we are super excited to talk with Rich Morris. Rich and I have known each other for many years, coming from manufacturing. He is currently working for SpaceX as the senior advisor for production. But he and I actually met when we were both working for BMW, the only U.S. manufacturing plant, which was in Spartanburg, South Carolina. So I appreciate him coming on and and talking to us about manufacturing as a career, some career lessons, and other topics as we go forward for the next half hour or so. So welcome, Rich. I appreciate you spending some time with us. No problem. My pleasure. So why don't we start out? um, I always like to give everyone a grounding and tell us a little bit about your career story, kind of how it started and some of the moves you made and why you made some of those moves. So I started back in the mid-80s. I was a, actually a draftsman for a small architectural firm in Detroit and decided I wanted to go to college to be an engineer. They were replacing us with computers at the time. And so I went to a school called General Motors Institute and got my engineering degree. And when I graduated, I got a job at General Motors. I worked at General Motors for a couple of years as a supervisor. And then they did me a favor and they laid me off. Uh, probably the best thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> uh, when I got laid off, They actually, a friend of mine that was in the HR department there went to the same high school I did. And uh, he found a job at Nissan in Nashville, Tennessee. And he thought I'd be a great fit for it. So he he asked me if he could forward my name to that job as we're all getting laid off. And I ended up getting that job in Nissan in Nashville. It was probably my favorite job I've ever had as a supervisor in engine hot test. Anyway, so I got that job, moved down, down south to Nashville. And when I was working there, of course, the BMW factory in uh, South Carolina had opened up and a couple of folks from Nissan had moved over there. And at that point, they were trying to, re- you know, recruit me. And they finally talked me into it. I asked if I could stay at Nissan until the end of the year because I was working on a project. And they allowed me to do that. So I ended up starting at BMW in December of 1993. And yeah, and I was at BMW for 20, almost 24 years and then kind of took a an early retirement out of BMW. And so at BMW was where most of my career was. I started off as a quality manager coordinator on the Z3 project, which is what we started the factory with. And then worked my way up to be the executive vice president for manufacturing or assembly at BMW. And then, yeah, after living in Germany, I worked quite a bit in in China and in South Africa. I finally realized it. I'd done everything I probably was going to do at BMW. And I thought, well, I'll just take an early retirement. It was 50 years old and just enjoy the rest of my life. And then at that moment, I got a call from a recruiter from SpaceX who asked me if I was interested in coming to join SpaceX. And I really didn't know much about it. The first few interviews, I was convinced they did. I was the wrong person. They didn't need me at all. 
But in my final interview, they convinced me that I probably, you know, could help. And, and for me, it's very important to feel like I'm helpful wherever, wherever I'm at. And so instead of retiring, I joined SpaceX. I've been at SpaceX now for six and a half years and actually started off with a job they had offered me, like a vice president of operations or something job. And, and my, my question to them was, do you really need that job? And they told me no. I said, well, I don't want to take a job that you don't need. I want someplace where I can be helpful. And so I took a job as the senior director of like a component shop called Tube Shop. And it was quite, if you think about where I was at BMW, it was quite a demotion from where I was to the job I took. But I really enjoyed being back on the shop floor, working with technicians and learning about different kind of manufacturing. And then after a year or so, I made it back up. I was the vice president of production and then the vice president of production and launch at SpaceX. And yeah, once I completed my task at SpaceX, which was to replace myself with better people and get them stable and on track to, to hit like this multiple launch rate that they're doing right now. Yeah, I decided it was time for, for me to, to start looking at retirement again. And, and now I'm in the role of senior advisor, handed the VP role over to the folks that I had put in place. And yeah, here I am now. It's such interesting moves. It's, it's basically always been in the transportation arena. Was that intentional on your part? Like when you were in college, did you say, hey, this is what I'm passionate about and what I want to follow? Did this just the, I mean, happen? I am the third of four generations of auto workers from Detroit, right? And so my grandfather, my father, my uncles and aunts, they all worked in the automotive industry. So I think you're pretty much destined to do that when you grow up in Detroit. Mm. And I went to General Motors Institute, which is a school that General Motors at the time owned. So you're you're going to work in a car factory for the most part if you do that. My son works at BMW now, so that's the fourth generation building cars. So I just think it was, you know, if you grow up in in coal mining country, you're going to be a coal miner. If you grow up in Detroit, you're going to build cars. And so that's just kind of how I went. It's just manufacturing. Aerospace was unintentional. It was just something that happened, you know. Great. What I noticed that you had already started working and then went back to get your MBA. What was the thought process there? So when I was at BMW, I had become, I think I was a project leader for the X5 or something like that for one of the, one of the second generation X5 was plant project leader. This was in 2003. And anyway, I realized that doing these projects and doing some of the things I was doing at BMW with my engineering background, I didn't have a good understanding of finance and of like the net present value way we calculate projects and that kind of stuff. And so I thought it would be smart to go back and get my MBA because it would make me a better like operations manager. And that's what I did. I went back and got my degree while I was working at BMW. In fact, at the same time, my wife was going to school to become a nurse. So both of us were in school at the same time and both graduated right around the same time as well. And it's been very, I'm very happy that I did it because it, it really was helpful for me personally to understand more about how we make money at the time at BMW and how I could influence that. Two adults going to school at the same time. I cannot, I, I mean, was that a good thing or a bad thing? Because I can't even It wasn't great. Our, <laughs> our kids were like four. So all of us would lay on the, on the floor of the living room and read books and study. They would color and play and pretend like they were studying. And so we just did that for a couple of years. It was, a, it was busy, but when you look back on it, it, I guess it wasn't that bad. It was a lot of fun. Family homework time. I can see exactly. it. <laughs> so one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, well, let me set the premise first. So you and I knew each other at BMW. I had started 
I think a year or two out of grad school and I started as a recruiter and then moved around. And the way I moved around within the HR department was every two years, the vice president of HR picked me up and kept moving me. And she was calling me the fixer. So she'd plop me in HR operations for two years and I'd help set up processes and so forth. Then she picked me up and moved me to the international HR group and so forth. And so those things just sort of happened to me. And I'm very, very grateful that because I developed such a well-rounded background in in HR, you made quite a few moves too um, within that assembly area. Were those all moves that you wanted to make that you had plans for or was BMW coming to you and they saw something special and they wanted you to take those those roles? Yeah, I think that having thought about this after you and I talked uh, a few weeks ago, I don't think, and I'm being quite honest, I never pursued promotion or pursued a role, to be honest with you. I mean, I don't know that's great advice for people, but I never did. I always, and I still always want to feel like I'm being helpful, like I'm doing something to value. If not, I just don't want to, I don't want to be there. I don't want to get money for something that I don't feel is valuable for the company. And so that was true at BMW. I started off in, in quality and then I was, I did the ISO 9000 certification project for the assembly factory. And then after that, they asked if there was anyone that wanted to go to the night shift and start night shift in production. And I volunteered for that and because it was a need, right? And I could be helpful. And then from there, I became the manager of assembly and then became a project manager for second generation X5 and then ended up getting promoted to vice president. And, but none of that was like I was pursuing it. It was just, I was trying to be helpful. I was trying to be of benefit to the company and, and I was taking roles that other people didn't want, I suppose. Yeah, that's all I can, you know, that's how it happened. It was not intentional. The next thing you know, I was OFK at the company, which is an executive vice president level. And that's, that's where I was when I left. Yeah, it's really interesting. So many people I know from BMW and, and you know, too, we have so many former colleagues um, that are mutual contacts. A lot of us just didn't set out this career path where I want to do this job and then I want to do this job. And then, I, you know, it just sort of seemed like there was a need and we all jumped in and we exactly. did it. And yeah. it was good for the company and, and good for us, too. So, And frankly, when I left BMW, that was why I left. I just felt like I was no longer being helpful. And it's like the worst feeling for me personally is when I feel like I'm not being helpful. So I, I was at that point at BMW and I just thought it was a good time to leave. Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly what happened with me. I just, I had done sort of what I called the rotation with an HR. Yeah. They had been through two plan expansions and I had said, okay, I, I need to go make an impact somewhere else. Um, yeah, it's a so great it's, company. I, I, oh my I gosh, say yes. only good things about it. And I got yes. great training and great experience. And, and, and the, the opportunity to travel around the world was was amazing. But yeah, at the end, it comes down for me personally is I have to feel like I'm being a value or I, or I just don't want to take take the money and I want to find some place where I can help. So let's let's take a second and talk about that with relation to some of our earlier career listeners. They always I, I love talking to them because I they hold a special place in my heart because it's always hard. You graduate out of college and you think you know what you do, but you don't necessarily know for sure. And you don't even know most of the jobs out in the real world, right? So let's talk to those folks who have been out of school for a couple of years. How, how do they know what, or what to specialize in or what jobs to take? What, what is the way that they can kind of analyze themselves and consider some of those moves? What I'll start with is what I tell new, new people here. They have a great program here at SpaceX that I think every company should adopt. And that is that in your first year of employment, 
you can get a mentor from the senior leadership team. So I mentor quite a few folks that are right out of school in their first year at the company and a few people that have come from outside another company in. And I think it's one of the best things that they do because if you can really establish yourself in the first year of employment, then you're going to have a good career. And the question is, what do, we, what do I do for those folks? And one of the first things I tell them is you got to build your personal network within the company. Start meeting people. And coffee is not, well, coffee can be in some places four or $5 a cup, I suppose. But coffee here at SpaceX is free. And go have a coffee with folks and be, be intentional with that. What I mean by that is make a list of people that are directly involved in what you're doing, that directly influence your current job or project. And take the time to have a coffee, introduce yourself and listen to them about their job and understand what they're doing and how they influence your job, right? Stay at your eye level. Don't go trying to meet the, the CEO of the company. Stay at eye level, a few jobs above, below, whatever, but stay there. Meet people. And then the next thing I tell them to do is start thinking about as you meet people in the company, as you've been for six months doing something, where do you want to go next? What's your next job? And then also start having coffee with people that are doing that job right now. Introduce yourself. Listen to them about, you know, that role. And then also, if there's a project coming up that you can participate in, say, hey, even though I'm not in your department, I'd really like to help you out on this project helpful. I want to be helpful. I want to learn. And every time somebody does that, they end up getting the next role that they wanted because that other department sees them as being quite helpful and interested and they know them. And so by building your network in the company, you start building your brand and your market value, right? The first thing I did when I came to this to SpaceX, I didn't know anybody here. I just made a list, a strategic list of people I needed to meet. And I started having coffee with people every day, introducing myself, listening to them and their story and trying to find out how I could be helpful for them. And also trying to understand the next thing that I will say that you need to understand is that as an employee, how does the company make money? And what are the roadblocks from the company making money? What are the constraints and how, do, how can I in my role be a positive influence on helping the company be more successful, right? And by building that network, you start learning about that from other people's perspectives. You start building a picture in your head about how the role I currently have impacts the bottom line. And then from there, you can start influencing that. And as soon as you start influencing that, people start seeing you in a different light. They start seeing you as somebody like, hey, that person is really helping the company out. They really understand how the business is run and they really understand how to help the company make more money. And that's what companies do. Then the next thing is once you have established yourself, and you've been at the firm for a few years, is you have to start looking inside yourself and be self-reflective and ask, what am I good at? What is it that I do good? And um, what is it that I like to do? And there's a theory that um, if you can find your sweet spot, and that's doing what you love to do, doing what you're good at, and doing what the company needs, being helpful. If you find that sweet spot, you're going to do your best work and you're going to be the most happy. And I've been able to do that, right, at BMW and here. But also as a leader, my job is to help other people find that. And if I can get a team of people who are all in that sweet spot, I'm going to have a really high-performing team, right? And so this is my advice is, one, build your network. Always start networking with that next role that you want and start learning more about it. Um, understand how the company makes money and how you can influence that positively. You don't need to go broadcast it. People will see what you're doing. Be humble. Always be humble. Always look for how you can help and add value to other people and to the jobs around you. And then be self-aware enough to understand what you're good at 
and and be able to align what you love to do, what you're good at, what the company needs to be a great employee. And the last thing I would say, and I, and I learned this at BMW, is leverage your strengths and don't obsess over your weaknesses. Um, everybody has things they're strong at and everybody has things they suck at. And if you obsess over the things that you're not good at and you're always trying to improve those, you're overlooking the actual value you add to the company. And so strength, leveraging strengths is the most important thing. And always as a leader or as in a project, offset yourself with somebody whose strengths are your weaknesses. And together, you're going to be an awesome team, right? And that's the thing that I would, would recommend. And that's where I, I, I see people being successful and where I think my success has come from. And one of the key things there is being self-aware enough to know what your strengths are and to ask people and your, your boss, your spouse, whatever, what am I good at and what am I bad at? And really embrace the things you're good at. And don't worry about the things you're bad at. I'm not saying don't try to improve, but don't obsess over it, right? And if you can leverage your strengths and it's something you love to do and the company needs it, you're going to be indispensable. Yeah, and I totally agree. That's sort of, um, I always tell some of the earlier career folks, it's sort of like the the term employee branding, right? Show everybody what you're really good at and what you love and the rest sort of takes care of itself. And I think if you spend 20% of your time focusing on the things or in trying to improve the things that you're not as good at, I think that's a decent amount. But if you spend more than that, then you, the weaknesses and the strength, I mean, the strengths that you have, you're not going to spend time exploiting them and and helping the company. So I, right. I really would not spend a lot of time on the weaknesses. You, you got to keep working on them continuously, but don't let it keep you up at night by any means. Right, right. Yeah, I think that's the key is um, being self-aware and accepting what you're good at. Um, I am not a very good engineer. You know, I have an engineering degree, but I've never considered myself a great engineer. But I know that um, my strengths seem to be in operations management and leadership. And yeah, and so try and leverage that in, in helping. I think one of the key things that I have to say, though, is branding yourself and, and marketing yourself is important. But do it in a humble way, right? Don't be boisterous about it. Don't try and show off what you're doing. Be humble, be a humble servant to the company and the people that you lead. And I always say that history won't remember me as an individual, but it will remember the achievements of my team, especially here at SpaceX. It's not important that they remember me, but it is important that to remember what we as a team achieved. Does that make sense to you? And it's never about you, it's about your team. And I think if you can maintain that attitude, that humble attitude, an approach like that way, it's super important. If you go back at BMW and you look through books for pictures, you'll never find my picture in any book at BMW. And I was there for 25, almost 25 years. That wasn't important to me. What was important to me was helping my team and the company achieve their, the goals and targets that they, they set out. And I, and I think if you approach your job with that attitude, you're going to be successful. Which is funny for me to, to hear you say, because when I was in HR, you were like the leader that everyone wanted to work with or work for because you spent time developing others, working really hard for the company. You had a really good balanced approach between the business and the technical and the softer side, the people side. And so even didn't even though you didn't say, hey, I want to be in this company picture or on this brochure or whatever, you made a huge, huge impact. And I don't know if you realize how much people really appreciated you. Um, no, I, I appreciate that. 
Yeah, like I said, it, it, it's not about me. It's about the team. And yeah, and, and that's what I think is success comes from is is being a humble person that you can still have a huge impact. Right. And, uh, and I think that's really, I guess that's for me, that's important. You know, I, it doesn't matter if people like me, don't like me or if remember me. But when I look back and I say, what did we accomplish at BMW? What did we accomplish here at SpaceX? And am I and can I look in the mirror and say, I was just super proud of my team and, mm. and what they achieved. And, and that's what's fulfilling for me. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And, and yeah, anyway, what else? Well, I know we're running short on time. So let me just end by asking you, is there anything else that you think you can offer our listeners out there to help them with career advice, leadership advice, anything that you thought you might want to mention? I think... Leadership is is something that you should take very, again, humbly. And it's an honor to be, I think, in a leadership role. I think that one of the things, and I've only, you know, manufacturing is my my background, is to remember that value in, in an organization, a manufacturing organization, is created on the shop floor by those technicians, associates, employees that are taking raw material and turning it into something that you can sell or a service. Those are the people that create value. And as a leader, your job is to make sure that those people can do their job safely, reliably, and within the, the, the constraints of time. And if you're not focused on that, if you think you're the one that's making value, if you think you're the one that's great, then you're going to be a crappy leader. It's all about the folks on the shop floor. It's all about the folks that are providing that good or service and making them successful. And I, and I think quite often I see people miss that. And if you approach your, your job as a coach and a mentor and a trainer, and you create the best team that can get out there and execute the mission every day without you having to give them direct orders all the time, it's going to be sustainably successful. And when I came to SpaceX, my intent was not to spend a long time at SpaceX. I love the company. It, it's an awesome company and they've been super good to me. But my intent was to help them develop the next set of leaders that will take humans to Mars. And um, I know that I, I won't be at the company when they get to Mars. I'll be sharing from the sidelines somewhere. But I know that there's great people that can really be awesome leaders. And my role was to help to get there and hand over the reins to that, that group of folks that are going to take the company to Mars and beyond. And, and that is something that really makes me happy um, to see that. And, and like I said, this year I was able to to replace myself, <laughs> and and now I'm in the senior advisor role, and it's it's really, in my opinion, it's very gratifying. And I think as a leader, that's your role: create and develop folks that are better than you, and leave the company always or the organization in a in better shape than you found it. And it sounds like that you have definitely done. So I applaud you. I'm I'm in awe of your career and everything that you have accomplished. I really appreciate you spending some time with us today. So again, thank you. I know you're super busy, but we appreciate yeah, th it. Thanks for having me and i um, happy to come back when maybe we have a little more time. Okay, sounds good, Rich. Thank you so All much. Right. Thanks. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you for joining Manufacturing 365 today. Please be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. I welcome you to reach out to me. My contact information is listed in the description of each episode. Also, you can check out my company at group928.com or through LinkedIn. I'll see you soon.